Hey now, welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name is Chris Vassar, a.k.a. Coach Vass. Thank you so much for joining us again as we wind down the long-form version of the podcast. We approach the season day by day. It gets closer. I can feel it. It's coming. But before you completely bunker down for the season, don't forget to follow me at Coach Vass on Twitter and the show's account at MDGAPod. You can also visit www.coachfast.com for more information. And also, we know you're going to get busy during the season. We know Twitter use is going to go down. We've already seen it. We've talked to a lot of coaches. I, myself, we started on July 29th. So my usage has been down from normal. But we don't want to lose touch. So go to the website, sign up for the mailing list. And so you can get alerts to your email about the Q&A podcast during the season and any other news and notes. We're here for you to help during the year. We're going to have guests on, answering your questions every week until the end of the season, and then we'll go back to the format that you've become accustomed to. Also, on another note, make sure to check out the podcast from the first couple weeks of the show. We had Kyle Kogan discussing Ripley's match versus Trips, the illustrious Don Brown, the one and only, and then a bonus podcast with Mark Marinelli, where we go through a checklist of things that you should check out during fall camp all your situations, just things to jog your memory. So go ahead and check that out. Today's guest is Pat Fox, who is one of the best high school football coaches in the entire United States. I found Pat's stuff early on when I was coaching, and it became the Bible for me. To this day, we still use his linebacker reads, and they are second to none. Love his philosophy. He's really fun to listen to, really fun to engage with. And man, does he have some great insight in this game. Now, I do have to let you know, The conversation with Coach Fox and I got a little spicy, so some colorful language was used, so please be advised. Without further ado, I present Pat Fox. Let's get into it, man. My guest today is Pat Fox, head coach at Notre Dame Prep in Pontiac, Michigan. Thanks, Coach, for coming on. No problem, man. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you. So give the listener a little brief background on your in your coaching journey and how you ended up at uh, Notre Dame Prep. All right. You know, I started coaching when I was a, a freshman in college, and I coached a little town called Franklin up in the Salt of Michigan. I was there for three years. I went to a big school in Saginaw, and Saginaw still was a big town. Spent a year there. I was a graduate assistant at Northern Michigan University. Got a head coaching job at 23 in a little town called Ortonville. I got laid off, went to a place called Pumpkin for eight years, tried to chase a big job at Ann Arbor uh, across the street from them. Didn't particularly like it, was there three years. Spent 14 years in Milford and um, retired out of the public school system five years ago, uh, bought a few years, and ended up at Notre Dame Prep. I've been there for six years. And, you know, just sort of finding my way around and a little change in a small school for the first time in a long time. So that's good. Yeah, when I when I found your materials, you were at Milford, and I was blown away. I was looking for we were running the G defense or variations like its cousin, and I found your materials, and and it was it's still so I I still check them out uh, about once every other year just to get my uh, bearings, and I have notes on it and everything, and it's just such good information and. Uh, I remember, so I met you, I don't remember exactly where, but it was at a clinic, 
but I was back in the in the southeast and you were doing the clinic. I saw you there and then you came out to California and I saw you here. And then my buddy was in L.A. and saw her. I might have saw you in L.A. Yeah. Somehow a buddy of mine brought me up, <laughs> brought my name up to you. And you're like, yeah, I think that guy's stalking me. I, 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 I pretty sure I saw him in the bushes outside my house and you weren't far from the truth. That was 2011 Tampa. That was, yes, that was the Narduzzi, the infamous Narduzzi clinic I always talk about. Yeah, that's I the in the back of the room asked me about two tight ends, two wings, which was the only question people asked back in 2011. Yeah, yeah, that was the only question. I remember calling you one time about that, and you, we, we kicked a can down the road, but you'd never seen it at that point, right? I, I remember you being like, well, this is what I do, but I've never seen it. Yeah, we haven't seen a lot of it still, you know. We see a lot of full house. Yeah. And we'll actually, we're going to get to some of the, cause I, I've been getting questions about full house and, yeah. and, and some of those things and being in Michigan, I want to pick your brain on that, but I want to start off kind of the bulk of what we're going to talk about today is I want to talk to you about your uh, two under three deep zone blitz package, bringing six people. Some people call it hot coverage or eyes coverage. And you guys, a lot of high schools don't major in it, and I'm, I'm I'm not sure if you would say that you major in it, but you do enough of it that you've given clinic presentations on it. And I saw your presentation this past year, and we got to hang out at Glacier in um, San Francisco, and it was really great. And I and when I was doing this podcast, I you were one of the first names I wrote down on on the, my paper. Like I gotta have Pat on. I gotta have him talk about this stuff. So why don't uh, why don't we get into that? So give me the history of uh, the your your history with the package and how you came upon it and all that good stuff. You know, we started in the th- the three deep two under concept um, in the early nineties. Uh, we didn't see a whole lot of spread teams, and when Mike Cassidy was up at Wisconsin, he shared with us some some three deep two under concepts we used to call psycho trade, and when people would jump into us concept we would bring that and we'd play the under coverage with the inside linebackers when we got we and throughout the 90s it was pretty good and then as people became more sophisticated running the ball or passing the ball um we didn't feel the way we were teaching it was as advantageous as we it should be in coverage so what we ended up doing was we ended up playing more man coverage and more man blitzes and that was really good, and we and we did run some fire zones that were three deep, three under, and some two deep, four under concepts. But a lot of times what we kept on thinking was we're, we're just not getting home enough, and we would have really liked to get back into some of the things that we were doing. And then all of a sudden, you know, Michigan State's up the road, and they're, they're playing a ton of zone pressure concepts that are three deep, two under. And they're playing against good teams that throw the ball very sophisticatedly, and they're they're handling things. So you know, we started to integrate some stuff back in um, in 2016, and as the season went on, it became a real big issue for us. And the part that we like about it right now, it's a lot of our same blitz concepts, but we're using the zone pressure behind it. And the nice part about it that I like. Is, you know, it's great on, you know, you, everybody on offense is trying to, you know, get that big first down play to, to, you know, stay in pace with the chains. Well, we're thinking the same way on defense. You know, we know the offense wants to do certain things to get the first or second and third, second and four. Well, you know, we want to knock them off rhythm. 
And if you're playing a tempo team, if you can get them to second and 12, you can get them to second and 11, you have a chance. So we're trying to, we, we start to game plan that way with series starters and the zone pressures are a big part of that. The other thing, if they change structure, your defense, they really help you out when people are coming to get you. And so that's, you know, we started to get back into them. Um, I'm not, you know, we, we, we try to play coverage about 33% of the time and we try to be in a zone blitz concept 33% of the time. And we try to be in a man concept, you know, 33% of the time. And I'm not sure we're quite there right now. I think our man concepts about 15 to 20. It's good, but it's just, it's not as much as it's been in the past because the zone pressure stuff has been so good. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's been really good, um, watching some of the stuff and, watching you at that clinic and some of the things that you showed us. And I, uh, you know, specifically talking about these two under three deep pressures. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing it's funny the first time I ever saw it. And I, before I called you today, I went looking through my little library and I can't for the life of me find the article, but I had a Mike Cassidy article. In fact, if you remember at your clinic, you couldn't remember you were like Mike and you were going through your brain trying to remember his name. And I yelled it out and you looked at me like, how the hell did you know that? And it was because one of the first books I bought, I think it was a uh, coaching by the experts. And he, he, and he was talking about, I think he was at Western Kentucky. And I remember seeing it was like, uh, Mike's a, Mike was a great, is a great originator of yeah. concepts and not afraid to do different things and really been a great mentor of mine. What a good, good man he is and a really fine ball coach. That's a great resource to have. So is he still coaching right now? Um, he's not, you know, he's, he's doing some private business stuff and he's a little bit retired. Smart man. You know, he had, he had some illness stuff that he's beaten down and he's, he's rising up from it. And, you know, he's out there, he's out there coaching coaches right now and, and helping everybody out and just a good guy. That's great. So let me ask you about these specific pressures. When is your favorite time to use them in terms of personnel groups that you're attacking? What, what groups do you like to use them against? I don't care what group they're in. We're going to do what we do with zone pressures. Um, there's different zone pressures we like against different looks, but when it comes to our three deep, two under concepts. I don't care what people are running. I think they're great versus the full house T people. I think they're great versus the spread people. I think they're comically unbelievably good against I formation and wing T. I, I don't worry about that. I think there's different blitz concepts. I like based on personnel mismatch and, and game tendencies, but I'm going to, I'm going to play zone pressures all the time. Um, and we'll, you know, we're going to play a team that's really good with tunnel screen. And we think we got some concepts in the zone pressure with some things we're going to do with that. That is going to be frighteningly good in, in, against the screen people. So I'm kind of fired up. Well, you know, you know me, whenever you talk, start talking football, I get fired up. And one of my, all-time uh, favorite clinic memories of, of ever was this year when the San Francisco clinic, when you were, you had just got done speaking. So you were still fired up and you came up to the bar. We had a big old table in the back and you came and hung out. Everybody was like this. Pat. I remember uh, the next week when I talked to some of the people like that Pat Fox guy's amazing. Like he's, he fired me up. I'm like, yeah, that's why I've been 
bugging him for years to teach me football. Hey, it's contagious. The enthusiasm's contagious. Uh, well, then, if you like getting older, man, it's a little harder. Yeah, uh, but it's it's you know when when you're doing things and you believe in what you're doing, and you get your kids to believe in what you're doing, it's a great game to coach. It is. Well, there's not there's not many people better, if if any, better at that than you, and so. I'm happy that you're on and you're able to spread some of your wisdom. Now, you said there was nothing really that in particular that you like these calls versus uh, that you said they're pretty versatile. Is is there anything that you would stay away from using these specific two under three deep pressures? Well, I think, you know, I think um, how do I want to say this? There's down formations, not so much because, you know, we can we can game into your formations. You know, we can, you know, we can, if we're not sure what we're seeing, we'll just auto it. Right. And what that means is we'll have a blitz, which we think is like really good to your, you know, some, some, you know, your best formation. If you come out in anything else, we'll go double A and, you know, and stuff like that. So that doesn't worry me. Here's one, here's one. The zone pressures aren't very good. All right. If it's third and five, zone pressures aren't real good, you know, because you're going to bring a, you're going to bring a zone pressure. Someone's going to get the ball out fast. They're going to release the ball. They're going to catch the ball. You're going to hit the quarterback on release. They're You're going to tackle the kid at six yards and it's a first down. Right. I don't like that. I don't, that down, it's a down and distance thing for me. You know, if it's third and short and I think they're running, I'll take that chance. Right. You know, but if it's third and five and it's a quick game down and you're in a zone pressure, you know, a lot of times I watch, I watch people run zone pressures on like, you know, third and 13. And I hate that call, third and 12. I hate that call if you're like in, in three deep because, you know, all of a sudden you watch the big, you know, the big arm college kid throws the out cut into the boundary. It's first down. Yeah. You know, it's a rhythm throw. It's three steps from the gun, back foot in the ground, you know, 14 back to 12, the ball's released and, you know, first down. Well, I think there's, I think there's better things to cover that. You know what I mean? Right. You know, if if I'm going to pressure you, I'm going to come get you. You know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm going to use something called our goosebumps package and I'm going to set my kids at 11 yards. I'm going to bring seven. That ball's going to come out fast and you're not going to have time to run an outcut, you know, and those type of things. And the down distance scare me. I don't like it. You know, if, if I think I can get home, I'll run them whenever I want. You know what I mean? But if I think you got a sophisticated passing game and you can complete a, a timing route on the boundary, when my kid starts to bail a little bit, I don't want to run it. And I don't want to give up the first down that easy. And that's sort of my, my concept where I don't like it. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. Yeah, the down and distance. You know, I mean, clearly, clearly if we're playing a triple option team, there's certain things we do, you know, when we're playing a, you know, when we play a, a wing T team, there's certain things we do that are a little bit different. You know, we'll, we'll like, um, like let's say you're playing a wing T team and we're going to bring a, a backer blade where we're going to bring the, the backer off the edge. We're going to pick the, we're going to pick the B gap with the tackle. We're going to bring the end underneath and the A gap. We're going to spark the backside. We're going to spark the backside tackle and loop him to the B and then bring the, and bring the, the mic in the A gap. 
So what happens is we're playing like a team that's a wing T school and they're in red and blue and they're, they're bringing the wing in motion to the, to the blade call. We'll run it. But if the motion goes away, we just pull the blade off. You know, there's certain things we do, you know, to, to, to help, to help our call. But, you know, maybe against option teams are not as quite aggressive with the, with the zone pressures, but we still like them. You know, we still like them in situations. So maybe that's a better answer for it. No, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you you got to play the situation. And I agree with you on the third and five stuff. Oh, it's maddening. You know, I mean, it, it's, yeah. it drives me crazy. I'll watch some of the college games, and it's like third and 11, and someone's running a double-A zone pressure, and the out cut's wide open, and quarterback gets stroke ball, gets completed, and it's first down. I'm like, you got to cover the guy. You know what I mean? You got to cover the guy. So, yeah. Yeah. Play play two trap or I mean if you're gonna do that do something and if you don't want to play man play I mean you can run all these pressures I say all a lot of these pressures that are two trap getting a two trap or two you know what I mean man match cover two you where you can something. pass off crossers but you can do a lot of different things you know we don't do that you know we got a couple things we do you know that we're we're starting to do in third and long we really like and you know we we run that goosebumps package we really like and. We got a creeper look out of that that we think is going to be exceptional this year. So, I think I got better stuff in that down in distance. But man, you know, I like I like the zone pressures on first and ten. I like the zone pressures when you get backed up. I like the zone pressure when you're trying to push tempo on me, and all of a sudden, you know, you got a personnel group. We think it's something, and we're able to come off the edge and. You're trying to run some type of a zone read concept, and you pull the ball, and you get stroked, and now it's second and twelve. I mean, who? Now we're playing defense, and you know, I think, I think you you have to game plan to get ahead of the sticks. Where in the old day, days, you know, that's not exactly how we coach defense. Right? No, it's, it, it makes sense. I, I'm, oh man, I love talking to you. If, if when it, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bug you at some point if I'm ever feeling blue or. You know, I'm just like, you know what? I don't know about this defense thing anymore. Offense just seems so much easier. Like, I, I'm calling oh, you. It's so easy. Every now and then, I coach offense to remember how easy it was. That's why those guys are skinny. They get the workout. They have time for it. You know. <laughs> Can I call you and you do. give me a pep talk and tell me uh, and set me back on track? Whatever you need, baby. Whatever you need. Uh, you've always had that. You always had that mentality with me, and that's why I love you. Well, I. I'm going to ask, I know we're in the middle of this two under three deep package, but it's got a cool name and you've thrown the bait out a couple times. And if you don't want to talk about it, we can move on. But what's, what's, oh. what's the goosebumps package? I got to hear about this. The goosebumps. Um, it's a seven man blitz peel package um, out of dime. And we take our, our defensive backs and we set their heels at the, at the sticks. Uh-huh. And it's a third and seven call. It's a seven-man blitz pressure. And we line up about a yard and a half in front of the sticks, and we take two little scooch steps. And, you know, we got seven and they got six. If they got six, if they got five, we got six. And then the blitz peel comes off. And, you know, we're going to get the ball out. It's going to be hitched. It's going to be slammed. It's going to be takeoff. And you're going to throw the ball in front of us, and we're going to tackle it, and you're going to punt the ball on, on fourth and three. And it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Is that it's a th- three down or four down? Oh, um, I like it's a it's a four down deal. It's all our it's all our same blitzes, but we just put a blitz peel on it. Got it. 
with a dime kidder, your best, your best, your best fast skill kid comes off the edge. That's that's and awesome. Then, yeah. It sounds like it's like a PAT block almost, like you just like coming up and well, you know, bringing it, like bringing your fastest guy off the edge. Yeah, I think the nice thing about it is for us is, you know, you know where the ball's going. They only have three options. You know, it's it's hitch, it's slant, it's takeoff, and it's coming out fast. And you got the you got the six yard lead. You know, you got to be good tacklers or it's not worth a hoot. And then we're going to start integrating some creeper concept from that this year, which I really like. And so that's kind of our third down package right now, third down six plus. And, you know, we can, we can, we ran a ton of it last year. It's not a secret. You know, we would, we probably ran six, seven, eight times a game. And I think it's been really good. And if you wanted, you know, we even played with it with some 30 stack look. And, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of a fun thing we did just to twist and shout a little bit. Well, we, we actually ran a blitz like this uh, in practice today. Uh, we, I don't, I don't care about talking about stuff like this. Cause we run so many blitzes. Like I, I don't care, but yeah. we ran uh, a three down. We pinched both ends into the a gaps. We had the nose take the back yeah. and we brought a guy off each edge and put a backer in each B gap. And we, we had everybody at the line. It, it, we didn't quite do it exactly like you did in terms of having them yard in yard in front of the sticks. Yeah. But we had everybody play catch man at about five yards. Cause it was like third and six. Yeah. And I love, I, I, I have a soft spot for that stuff that, you, that people say you can't do anymore. Those cover zero blitzes. Like I, I think they still have their place. Oh, I think they have a lot of places, you know, the, you know, I think, um, you know, I've come to the conclusion that, that, you know, there's a risk reward and everything, but, you know, I don't think there's any greater risk than exposing your quarterback. Amen. And, you know, that is, and I mean, you want to talk risk reward, you know, the bottom line is this, you play a year without your, you play a year without your starter because you exposed him in a hot concept. Okay. And he gets stroked and he gets not, he get he breaks the collarbone and he's out for the year. You want to talk about risk reward. Okay. You put a kid in five man protection, you have him read hot all the time. You put a kid in a in an RPO concept and have him hold the ball just enough to take one under the chin. You know, you're asking a lot of a kid. You're asking a lot of that right. kid. And the risk reward isn't on defense. That risk reward is on offense. Because you lose your trigger man, you're done. Only one Rudolph pulls a damn sleigh on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and if he ain't running the plays <laughs> on, on 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 Friday night, you're losing. Oh, God, and, I love you. You know, the bottom line, we don't want to hurt anybody, but you know what? If you're going to expose a kid, we're going to hit him. We're not going to hit him late. We're not going to hit him dirty. We're not going to hit him low. We're just going to hit him. And, you know, somewhere down the line, you got to decide how much you want to do that. You know, you might get us from time to time. You might not either. You might put that ball right in the coverage. And, you know, I know there's a lot of great athletes out there playing as wideouts, but, you know, we got some kids too. So that's my theory. You know, we've had a lot of <laughs> we've had a lot of really great coaches on this podcast. We've had a lot of really good one liners, but I don't know if uh, I don't know if I've heard a better one than there's only what was it again? There's only one. Only one Rudolph. Baby. Rudolph. I grew up in the Christmas capital of the, of the state of Michigan. Number one tourist attraction in the in the state is a place called Bronner's. I learned that from my main man, Wally, before he passed away. He said, hey, man, you've been beating the hell out of that. This team, you, you and that Novi, you've been fighting each other for like five years, and all of a sudden you rolled them. What happened? I said, the quarterback got hurt in a scrimmage. And he told me only one Rudolph pulls the sleigh. And that, that's great knowledge, man. 
And my main man, Wally Bronner, one of the nicest people who never knew football, told me that. And he's right. How many special quarterbacks do you have? Yeah. And, you know, risk reward. We all want to talk about it until he's on his back. You know, I mean, you want to you want to see well, a team scurry? Watch a quarterback get blood on his jersey and have to come out for a play. They're all out of rhythm, you know, let alone if he's lost for the season. So, you know, those people have to think about that, too. I'm going to have CPS calling me for this podcast. <laughs> well, I, I closed the show. I closed the show. The last thing I say every every episode is the old Buddy Ryan quote, quarterback can't see with tears in his eyes, which d- damn it if there hasn't been a more true statement. Um, well, you know, I don't you know, you've heard me talk before. Oh, yeah. We don't want to hurt. No, we don't want to hurt a kid. Yeah. But we most certainly want to challenge his his ability to come. We want to challenge how hard he wants to compete. We want to challenge. We want to be able to challenge how 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 competitive is he in a physical game? And you know what? After coming out of the seven on seven season, <laughs> you know. I mean, come on. The, you know, the first practice, <laughs> the first practice with helmets on. I think I blitzed ninety percent of the time, just because for all the anger I had to deal with was sitting back and having four and five Mississippi's. Good. It's 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 the oh, misery incorporated. Is there a better play than the than the tailback post in seven on seven? Well, before we turn this into the zero blitz podcast, which I might need to have you back on in the year twenty twenty for that. Let's get back to the two because I could talk about that all day. Let's let's get back to the two under three deep stuff. So one of the questions that I've always had and I've always gotten from people and kind of ask the same thing is how do those underneath droppers fit in the grand scheme of things? And so I kind of wanted you to take us through each position and how the coverage works and kind of just your standard stance alignment key like like you're teaching it on a board. Okay. but obviously audio only. Okay. I think the first thing we want to do is we want to make it look like our base alignment, what we're playing most of that game. So if we're going to play a ton of 51, we want it to look like 51 in alignment until the movement starts. If we're playing a ton of 52, we want it to look like 52 in alignment. And generally speaking, not always, but in our defense, Generally speaking, when we're running the zone pressure concepts, my inside two linebackers are handling blitz, and my outside spur kids are my are my skiff droppers. And we've we've always called them skiff players in the past, which means they're seam curl flat players. And what I think you want to teach your seam curl flat players is they have to be able to in their game plan what we teach our kids is they recognize what we call seam runners. So if it's two by two, they have a seam runner in, in front of them. If it's three by one, the seam runners on the three man surface side. And what we try to do is we try to identify to our kids and game plan. What routes are we expecting to see? And, you know, the first thing we teach our kids is, you know, we have to take away that quick answer. Right. If they're going to drop back to pass, we got to take away the quarterback's first answer so that by the time he looks to number two or the throw with width, okay, we're going to either get home or he's thrown off his back foot. And what we start to talk to our kids about is know the routes, identify the seam runner, know the routes, and when pass shows, all eyes 
around the quarterback through your seam runner. And, you know, the, the term is magic droppers. Well, there's not a whole lot of magic to it. You know, you, you teach your kids how you want it to handle. You know, so like when we throw against ourselves and we do it, you know, we throw so much spacing concept, our kids pass that off real quick. And they're getting really good at that. And when they, when they see that. And there's certain things you have to identify and there's certain things that you must take away in, in for us that are priorities in the three deep two under pass coverage. There's just things you have to take away. So if we're in a, if we're in, if we're in um, facing a two by two set and we're playing like robber coverage to the field and we're playing cloud coverage to the boundary. Okay. We feel that, you know, if we'll bail that corner out of there, we're okay. We spin down the spur. It's a really great disguise for us. And we have all that stuff going on, but where it starts to get hairy is when you start talking about how you want to account for number five and how do you, how do you want to account by three for three by one and empty and those type of things. So that's kind of where we get into it. And that's how we talk about it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Now, one of the coaches that um, I got to speak with over my journeys over the summer, I got to go into the Southeast between spring break and between about April and July. And one of one of the coaches that runs this concept said, because I was having a hard time envisioning it because it, it, it's difficult because you're sitting here and going, okay, two underneath droppers. Like you just, it, you're having a hard time imagining it. And I want to kind of get your take on this because this is how he explained it to me. He said, basically imagine that you're playing three under three deep and you've got, you know, your skiff players and your hot three player, whatever you call them over the middle. Yeah. And he said, if you're picturing the two under three deep, start with the three under three deep and you have those edge guys and that each the two underneath guys are like you said, the skiff players and that the middle is kind of open. Yeah. And that if I look to the defensive left, the left side defender remains the skiff player. And the right side skiff player becomes the player. kind of the middle guy. So he kind of Correct. melts to the middle. And so you're basically voiding. He says, now, again, if you're playing three under three deep, you have to picture those guys are a little bit more squeezed together than in three under three deep. That's obvious spacing reasons. But what he said is, imagine this. If I look left, you have a left skiff and a middle guy. If I look right, you have a right skiff and you're basically abandoning the backside skiff. Yeah. And if, if is that a good way to one. conceptualize it? Maybe not teach it, but by, if you're playing three by one, if you're in two by two, the player who's missing is the middle player. Okay. So you would just play it more inside. How far just, just to give the listeners, cause obviously this is audio based. So we're trying to picture this. How much farther inside are your skiff players than your skiff players in three under three deep? Are they a yard or two inside you know, more? Are they squeeze them farther? Or are they the same? I, we, we have not really changed that very much. And we have not really changed that much over the course of time. Um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to talk to our kids about being able to identify the route, you know, and, you know, the, and there's certain things we gotta, there's certain things we gotta be able to take away. We gotta take away the four vertical route. We gotta take away the quick route. We gotta be able to rally the bubble. We gotta be able to play to the tunnel. You know, we got to be able to defend weak side flare away from three by one. Um, those are all things that are a huge priority for us. And we got a drill we run that really helps us on that. 
But as far as our drops, the key for us is you got to be in position to do your job. So let's say we're in 50, we're, we, we're going to play a lot of 51. And I tell my kid. And can you, can you give the listeners what 51 is coach? Real 51 quick? is Robert of the field man to the boundary. And when they okay. go three by one, we're in a solo call where we're poaching number three from the backside with the weak side spur. And what we want to do is we tell that weak side, that weak side skiff player, you have two jobs. You know, you got to be able, if pass shows, you got to be able to identify your seam runner and be appropriate in your drop. However, if they run power read to the boundary, you're unblocked to contain and you got to go. So he's got to be in that position to play that. And we tell him, don't screw us up to to look good in your disguise. Yeah. You know, and I think the, the key is to have him lined up to take away those basics, you know, and I think that's, that's what we've done. I think we're pretty good at that. Now, now you mentioned a drill that you run to 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 go over that. Would you mind telling us that real quick? It's the best thing we do. I'm all ears. The best drill we run in our defense is called Team Skelly. And what Team Skelly is, is it, it is all six-man zone pressures. And what we run is ours, our, our stuff at them. And what we run is we run spacing, which is quick game. We run bubble screens. We run four verticals and we run power read to the boundary. And those to us are things that we have to defend quick bubble. You know, this year we'll put in tunnel cause we're going to see that the first week and then, um, four verticals. Right, and we are really good at defending those things in the zone pressures because those are the things that you have to take away. And what we do is we set the trash cans up. We have live receivers, except you know, I mean, like Skelly, and we bring the zone pressure. And when that ball's thrown, it, it looks like a pursuit drill, but it is a proper fit drill. It is a turn and run drill. It is a it is a leverage drill. It is an ang- it is it is proper angles in your blitz. It is proper peel back in the bubble. It is redirection. It is effort, and we do about thirty snaps: ten in the hash, ten in the middle, and ten in the other hash. And we put it all up there. You know, we'll go empty. We'll have to make our empty adjustments. We'll do all the stuff we have to do, and it's the best drill because our kids fly in it, and they just sell out. It's an unbelievable drill. They throw four verticals. We better be jamming those seams. You know, they throw spacing. We better be able to match up with the inside kid and the ball better come out to the arrow runner. You know, it's just how it goes. And, you know, that's, that's, that's our best drill on defense. Awesome. So take me through the coverage of the, the outside guys, the corners. How are you playing those guys in the two under three deep stuff? Okay. Two by two, we play traditional old school cover three from a bail look if we can. Okay. How deep are you playing those guys? Well, the boundary corner usually is in a press look. Okay. And the field corner, depending on the coverage, you know, is um, he's either he's either off or he's rolled, depending on what coverages we're playing. So let's say we're playing 52 as a base coverage, mm-hmm. and they're three by one. And when we play 52, when someone, when we're in a coverage and someone goes three by one, we're going to play burn, which is mini cover two to us. 
or we're playing cover two over the inside 10 and we're manning the the field, the widest kid to the field. Right. Well, then both my corners are in press. Gotcha. And what happens is it comes from that alignment. And they'll use a, a traditional bail technique. Now, here's where things, here's, here's where I think the teaching has evolved. The first thing is how are you going to handle three by one to the boundary? Okay. You get three by one or three by one to the field. I mean, and how are you going to take away the slant? You know, well, what we're starting to do is demand that kid up into the boundary right now. If they're three by one, we're going to be inside leverage and we're going to be playing off man on inside leverage. And I think it is, um, I think it's really helped us with that being said, you better make sure if that tailback squeaks, you're accounting for number five. And that's the, that's the other part of that deal is we have to always account for number five. And you know, that's, that's where the, that's where your coaching comes in. So let's say you're three by one to the field Mm -hmm. and you're squeezing that inside leverage on number one to the boundary and the tailback's weak. And if you're coming with an inside pressure, your your two defensive ends that end has to hug up that tailback. Right. If you're bringing a you're bringing an edge kid, you have to blitz peel that kid. Okay, and you can do that. And in the past, we've accounted for number five only when he's only when he's into the boundary away from three by one. Mm-hmm. Now we've talked about accounting for number five to the field, but sometimes we're just going to take that chance on hitting it home. And I'm not sure if we're going to take a good look at that this weekend and how we want to account for number five, you know, in the zone pressure. Right. But here's the big issue for us. When someone comes out and empty, how do you want to handle that? Because if you go, uh, if you go a six man zone pressure, you know, and they got three seam runners, you got two guys defending that box. Somebody's open. Right. So what we'll do is we'll pull a guy out. Okay. And here's how we do that. If we are running a double B stunt, okay, it's the B stunt guy to the three-man receiver, to the third dropper. If it's an A stunt, it's the A-gap guy to that dropper. And then if it's a, if it's a blade call or an edge call with what we call a bang, the bang's called off. So we always are counting for number five. And I think that really has helped us. I think that's, that's really helped us. If five is to the field in a tailback position, we don't worry about him. If five is in the boundary away from a three-man set, we're gonna we're gonna blitz peel or hug him up. And if five is empty set, we gotta pull a backer off the blitz and be in a five-man zone pressure and be able to be three deep, three under, and protect that box with that extra guy. Or you're gonna have a guy standing in the middle of your defense on a five-yard route, yeah. running a long way, and no that's, one wants that. That's not yeah, it's not a winning business model there. Uh, so. No. So when it comes to the coverage and and some of the aspects with that, um, your middle of the field, your middle of the field safety is pretty much going to play the same as your regular middle of the field safety. Yeah. Well, he, when he plays cover three, we don't play a ton of it. Uh huh. You know, he, he plays aggressive read off run pass. You know, he keys it just like he does with robber coverage. Right. And if pass shows, he pushes his ass to the middle of the field. Yeah, so he's 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 try. sitting. He's not bailing out of there, right? He's like a cheat safety, some people call him. Yes, yes. When pass shows, he's going to start get for going. You know what I mean? Um, our biggest problem we have with our safeties is they want to sit on everything too much when they because they play so much robber coverage. I hear you. You know, they want to sit on everything. And sometimes we don't need that from them. You know, sometimes we need them sitting on top of the four vertical route. 
But if it gets home, man, it gets home. Yeah. Hey, I'm with you, man. Now, you've been doing this for years. Have you found that teams try to do they try and max pro? Do they leave six in or do they try to get five out? How, how do you find on average most teams try to beat you with that stuff? Quick. You know, they try to get it to the flank mm-hmm. and they try to get it fast. They try to get it fast out. The other thing they try, you know, they try to like quick screen you with a stack or quick screen you or, you know, something like that. And I'm not sure that's all bad, but, you know, that's what we spend most of our time defending it. So we feel pretty good. Right. The other thing that we, we think that people try to do is um, we'll get some sprint out against it, you know, which is, you know, which is solid concept. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if we think someone's going to sprint out, we'll bring that blade so we have the backer off the edge pulling him up. And then all of a sudden that sprint out's not so good. Yeah, it's not great. You know, not good at all. Now, do you see teams trying to throw it to the back, just try to deal it to the back real fast? Or you know, do you feel yeah, we with do. your flare control they got it? Yeah, we do. We get all that stuff. And, you know, we do. We get. We do get that. You know, I'm not going to lie to you and say we don't. You know, the other, the other route everybody tries to, uh, they try to do is the, the you know the 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 mesh route mm-hmm. and the tail back to the flat, mm-hmm. and that seems to be, you know, that seems to be a good answer. And what we do is we just, you know, if we get that mesh route and it's fast underneath, we just pass it right now. You know, we pass it, we get a little extra depth, and you know he's going to get that thing out before that mesh crosses the box, and we expect you to knock it out. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I feel like mesh is coming back. Yeah. You know, for a while when everybody was cover three, it was it was there. Then I think I, I just think it's a product of people playing man versus RPOs. You know, I think I think it's probably yeah. probably right. You know, I think you're probably right. I think it's because we're starting to see a little more man coverage right now. You know, and I think the other thing is, you know, the you know, the you know, I think it's I think the mesh concepts really you know, there's different looks at it right now than, you know, the old um, the old air raid mesh concept, right. which everybody ran back in the mid two thousands. You know, which is still a really good concept. Slap the old hands at five yards, that's pretty good. But I think, um, you know, people are integrating that with the instead of a flat tailback wheel, trying to bump him off in the red zone. I think that's really good. You know, we play with that a little bit. You know, we try to dress it up three by one motion, bring the kid back underneath. You know, that that shit's you know, it's it's hard to defend if you're you know, you're in that red zone. So I think you're you're right. It is you're starting to see a little bit more of it. And I think people are I think people are struggling with it, you know, and you know, we talked about we talked about, you know, your guest a couple of weeks ago, you know, he's as good as there is anywhere. And, you know, they got they got creased with that concept. Yeah. And, you know, there's, you know, things come and go, you know what I mean? Things come and go out of the defensive package, you know, and, you know, in 1997, we weren't playing very much robber coverage. We were playing, we were playing one rat with a low hole, high hole cutter with a one high safety. And, you know, yeah. I don't think, you know, we never played with a, we, we never saw a mesh route or crossing route ever, no. you know, but, and, you know, but you don't see a lot of that anymore, but you might now. You know, you might now because I was thinking about this, uh, about everything being cyclical. And I know in pro football is a different beast. And I know people are listening are going to be like, what about the NFL? But 
like I was, I was teaching. Um, oh, I know what it was. I was teaching edge blitzes. Yeah. And I was like, you know, if the ball goes away, you got to think boot. And I sat there and went, I don't know the last time I saw boot. I, and I don't, I know wing T waggle. I'm talking about college football though. We see a lot of yeah. college style offenses and you don't have to worry about any of those under center boots anymore. No. And so now it's, and, and like we used to teach triple option. Okay. If you're an edge blitzer, you have, we used to say you have the pitch and then if it's, Double option. You have the quarterback. Correct. I don't even te- I don't even really teach triple option rules anymore because no. we don't see. I mean, I do, but it's like in passing. I'm like, yeah, you have the pitch, and the kids are like, what? Yeah. You, know the, <laughs> you know, like you know, you know the one. It's funny what comes and goes. You know what we're seeing instead of boot right now is we're seeing that inside zone RPO, and where oh, where the guy flares out, so you're getting zone one way, comes yeah, back across, know, and like, just goes yeah, out to the know, flat. Like we call it, we call you know when we run inside zone, we like to run. We like to run inside zone with a split flow look with a recessed tight end and bring him back and block the five technique and then throw that glance concept against someone secondary, you know, um, on the solo receiver side. We really like that as an offensive concept. It's great. But what people are starting to do is they're, you know, they're reading the inside zone and they're bringing that kid back that blocks five technique. And, you know, they're doing it out of a two by two set instead of three by one. Right. And they're taking number one on takeoff and, Number two runs like a 12-yard outer sail route, and then the motion, the 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 recessed tight end runs an arrow, and you run the inside zone. You read the five technique, and if he closes, you you take three steps like you're throwing the boot pass, and you throw the damn arrow, you know. And that's yeah, you know, it's a nightmare. Oh, it's a nightmare. You better have something coming. You know, if you know it's coming, you better bring something from that edge. You know, make that quarterback gather his feet and get hit in the chin. And that's just sort of how I feel. Yeah, it's funny. You know, what's old is new again. And I talked about this. I don't honestly don't remember now, but I was talking about, you know, being a 4-2 guy. And I know you, you, I think you disagree with me on this, but being a 4-2 guy, we don't, when I grew up running this defense, inside backer plugs were not a huge, from the guys I learned from, were not a huge like that wasn't the first answer you thought of because no. you have four down line and you only got two linebackers. You would move the front and do some of this stuff and bring edge pressures. Yeah. And that was kind of like the, that was the reason you got the four, two, five or four, four. Yeah. Our, but now I was done forever with psycho where we brought the two spurs off the edge. Yep. One off each and edge. That was our, that was our, that was our number one stunt for 20 years. Yeah. We didn't run it the last three. You know what? We actually, I, I coach and, and maybe if I can, uh, you've taught me a lot over the years, but Maybe I can convince you into uh, putting it back in. We we ran it last year out of a four three look where we basically the the weak yeah. side backer was always going pretty much. The mic brings it off the edge. Yeah, and, that's how we run it. And God, it, it was really it was one of our best pressures because it was balanced. You had pressure, yeah. especially against pistol where you didn't know where they were going to open. Anyway, just yeah. just just throwing it out there and thinking about it. But yeah, you know what happened. You know what happened. You know we. You know, every now and then we jump into the 30 stack look. Ah. And we can bring those, we can still bring those two overhang kids or two outside stack kids with that concept and still play the zone pressure behind it instead of always being in man when we do it. You know, because right. you're pretty relegated to man when you're in the, you're in the cycle. Thing. I think that's, I think we can tag that up with our goosebumps concepts, um, but I'm not sure yet. I got gotcha. you. I haven't put enough time into it. I, I'd like to. I'd like to dust it off because we're going to play an I formation team late in the year, 
and I'd like to have that ready to go and shoot. We had CNI formation, you know, since Mark Salen graduated college. <laughs> we, uh, I miss it because at my last stop, we saw the top three teams in our league every year, wing T, double wing, I formation, and stuff like that. And you can that, go to bed early. Yeah. You can go to bed early. You know, you're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to line up. You're going to play G defense. You're going to play robber coverage. You're yeah. going to squeeze the box. You're going to play some up. You're going to move your line. You're going to bring some edge pressure. You're uh-huh. going to jump into the bear front every now and then. Maybe a little viper front. And va-voom. Exactly. Game plan's in by 830. Yeah, I'm ready you know? to go. I'm ready to go to sleep. But <laughs> you're, but you're, I tell you what, you're panicking during the week when you can't fit that power play up. <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway, what I was, what I was uh, going back to what I was talking about with the inside plugs. But, you know, I found that as a good – I know we're not really – getting real deep into the RPO world now, but I mean, we were at practice and we just slanted the nose one way and brought a guy in the a gap. And it was like, you would have thought we brought some exotic blitz out of the world. Yeah. And it's just funny. Like yeah. you're sitting there going, all right, well, I would have never thought, I would have never thought this would be one of the things that we're doing right now, but here we are, you know? And, and so, but anyway, so now we've talked about the coverage. We've talked about when to use it. Uh, yeah, we we talked about you know going back to the two under three deep stuff. When when you like it, when you don't like it. Um, but now I want to get specifically into the pressure patterns. And the question I always get yeah. specific to this is everybody wants to know what do you do versus three things. What do you do versus eleven personnel why off zone like zone stretch. What do you do versus eleven personnel why off power counter. And what do you do versus ten personnel kind of. RPO zone lock zone read. So going back and starting over again, 11 personnel split zone, Y off, even Y on zone, whatever. What are some of your favorite pressure patterns to run versus that stuff? Well, I think um, there's, you know, is in a rundown. There's a couple things I really like. If we're playing a zone team, I really like the concept of, of what we call blade where we pick the we pick the outside of the B gap with the defensive tackle and then we bring the end underneath into the A gap and bring the backer off the edge. And here's why I like it. Okay? You get these offensive linemen, right? And they're taking their zone steps and they're running on track. Mm-hmm. And they're really comfortable with that. Okay? So you get like a like a nasty three technique who's got a little bit of explosion in them. Okay? And he gets a little bit wider than normal on the snap of the ball. That tackle takes that zone block. It's your five technique, and your your B gap tackle comes off and like strokes the the sucker in the hip, mm-hmm. okay, and knocks his ass down, okay. And then the end comes underneath. Now what's that what's that say to that tackle on the next time he runs that play, and they're running stretch. And the last time he ran stretch and put his foot in the bucket, he got his ass ear hold inside out and never saw it coming. Okay. Sometimes I think we need to take our defensive linemen and we need to haul them off and attack the offensive linemen and beat their ass. I think if we can come off and we can strike the offensive tackle and knock that fat ass off his course and onto his ass and he doesn't see it happening, I think we got something going on. Because then the next time they run that zone play, he's supposed to be looking for, you know, block that, that, that C-gap defender. Well, you know what? He's looking off his in the eye hole because he got smoked the last time. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, he's getting struggled. He's getting stroked. And you know what? You're on defense. Freaking hit the offensive lineman. And he doesn't see you hitting him. That's even better. 
Yeah. And then you bring that looper back in. You know, the, you, you have your kid, you know, accentuates the pick and the B gap, and all of a sudden that tailback starts winding it in. He's going to wind it right back into your loop end. Right. I like that one a lot. I like that one a lot. And then, you know, you, 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 have the a, you have the A gap defender take the trip to the B gap on the backside. You have the mic, you know, bring that backside, that backside A. Well, oh, you know, when that thing comes backside, he's getting greeted. And, you know, you're sitting with the free safety. He's in the alley. Mm-hmm. You know, your spurs holding the point. Your backside spurs folding. You got a big old pile of crap. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love that a lot. What's uh, what's one of your favorite pressure patterns versus eleven personnel, a Y off or counter and power gap schemes? Gap schemes, you know, I kind of like, I kind of like bringing kids from depth, and I like the, I like the, I like the, the torpedo concept, where we bring the kid off the edge, and then we, we bring the, we bring the, the stud right at the face of the five technique. Or the, we bring the stud right at the face of the tackle, and we we bring the, you know, we bring the the defense tackle into the A gap, and if the tackle if the, the tight end blocks down, we're off his ass with the edge blitz. If he zone blocks, we come under. If they pull, we are chasing and following, and then on the backside we have that exchange, and I think the exchange from depth gives counter gap, you know, a hell of a of a time. Now, if you're a big counter gap team, we, we don't blitz a lot from the perimeter because we yeah. think our, our reads from the mic and the backer, dude, if you're running counter gap with a tailback at seven yards, my kids are good at read cross bowl of the guard tackle bubble. We're going to hit you in the backfield and not have to blitz. Especially if you're running it to the one technique side, that Mike's oh, got a clear run through. You run through the A gap. They got no one there. Run right off the center's hip and there's nobody there. We, uh, no, you know, the guard's got to block the shade. Your backers at three and a half, four yards. Tailbacks at seven and a half. Yeah. Who's winning that race? Our guy. We played a section final a couple of years ago, and a team checked at the sideline. I don't know if they checked into the play or audibled out of. I whatever. And they first play the game on defense. So we score a touchdown. I believe to start the game, and then first play the game counter weak to the one technique. Yeah. It never even got to the five because the mic ran through unblocked right off the hip of the center. And almost intercepted the handoff. Absolutely. You want to know what's even better? Tell me. Are the pin and pull guys. The pin and pull guys. Okay. With the cross pull read. Yeah. They can't block the backside backer. The pin and pull guys can't block the backside backer. Nope. Or the other one is I like the, the, the wing tee from the gun. Uh-huh. Okay. You see, when you're, you know, I was a wing tee guy for like 20 years. Uh-huh. Okay. When you're running, when you're running buck sweep. Okay. And you're also, let me stop you, you know, for a second. You're also an offensive coach. So when you spot, when you talk spicy yeah. about offensive coaches, that's okay. Cause you're, you're an offensive guy. See, I can't, I can't do that as much because I'm not an offensive guy, but you are, you've I'm also, bilingual, baby. all right. So you can you go know, after him. I don't want know. the hate mail directed to Pat. <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell you right now. I, I, you know, the, 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 the one thing that, you know, when I was, when I was on sabbatical, when my kids were little, I took two years off. And what we did is we redesigned our offense and things we liked in those two years. And what I did is I took the thing I hated on defense and put them into our offense, you know, and I think those are the things, those are the things that make you a better coach on both sides of the ball. You know, I think the, the, you know, I, I worked for good people when I was young 
and I worked for the best offensive line coach in the country. Buck Nystrom? And he was, yeah. Ah, I knew and, you were talking about Buck. And, um, you know, Buck was my teacher. I had him and Nick Saban as my classroom teacher at Michigan State that's, for the football coaching a, class that's amazing. in 1984. And Buck and Nick would also always say the same thing. If you want to get your ass beat, hire someone to coach your secondary and hire someone to coach your offensive line. But if I'm a high school coach, I'm coaching the secondary and I'm coaching the offensive line. And for the first 20 years of my career, that's what I did. Because um, those are the places that get your ass beat the fastest. <laughs> and therefore, I've always been on both sides of the ball. And I've always tried to, if I could coach defense, that was good. If I had to go coach offense, I would. But, you know, as I told my guy who's my offensive coordinator this year, you know, you're going to be the offensive coordinator until I'm tired of watching you call plays, and then we're going to win. <laughs> and, you know, and I love Jason to death. He's really good. And, but, you know, we got to score the ball. And, you know, I think my guy is as good as any, you know, I think my coordinator is as good as any. And he understands what I want, so I don't worry about that a whole lot. You know, and when I had Billy DeFilippo as my offensive coordinator, he was as good as there was. I didn't even question what was going on offensively. As long as I could block it as an offensive line coach. So when we talk about the offensive side, I, I take jabs at those guys. <laughs> it's easy. The year I was an offensive coordinator, and that's all I did, I mean, I literally, I, I was exercising. I was kayaking. I was biking. I was done working every night. I'm imagining you kayaking. Can we go on a kayak when you come back? I got my own boat, man. We need to kayak when you come back to California. Me and you, I'd sink the damn I, thing. I, I, when I'm fit, we'll go kayaking. No, I... I love that. I used to love to go up the river and then float back downstream. That was good times. Get up there early in the morning. Get, you get your mind right. And, you know, I, you know, I, I know why guys in, in the coaching world fish because it settles your mind. Right. And I got the same thing on a kayaking and biking. And so the only difference is when I bike, sometimes, you know, sometimes I used to go off the trail and get my ass kicked and that wasn't nearly as, as good as just floating. But I think the offensive guys, you know, they do have it easier, you know. But I think sometimes we on the defensive side, we do some things wrong too. And I think the best way of saying that is, you know what, I like what I run. And I'm going to run what I run. And I may pattern it. I may, I may, I may game plan it. I got to do all the statistics stuff and all the analytics stuff. And I have to do all that for my call sheet. But you know what, I'm going to play 51. You know, if you, if I'm going to play 52, if you oversplit me, I'll be in a read coverage and be in 41 or 42. You know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be in six man zone pressures. I'm going to bring man pressures. And cause that's what we're going to do. I'm not going to reinvent my defense every week. I'm going to play with the tools in my toolbox and I'm not going to reinvent them. I'm not going to change techniques. If I have to change my techniques every week, I'm not coaching schematically very good. Right. So when we talk about what we teach our kids, our reads better be, they better be the same for everything. And our concepts better carry over from week to week. Now, how we fit it, how we do things based on what the offense gives us, that's a little different. But we're going to do what we do. And I think sometimes we get a little neurotic in some of the things we do on the defensive side. Right. And we probably don't need to, but we do because that's what we do. Well, that's who we are. And, and, and that's one thing I've always respected respected about you 
is that you've always had a foundation since I met you, I don't know, nine, ten years ago when I first saw your stuff. You've always had a base core philosophy. You've you've always had an open mind about incorporating newer concepts and, and the cutting edge stuff, but you never you never strayed from who you are. And I think the, I think, you know, when we when we decided in you know, we we've been a G defense and since ninety you know since Bumpus was at Western Michigan in nineteen ninety. I love that man. You know, was when we I'm getting him on know, this I, podcast. I, uh, by hell and I high water. Tell you, this is really funny. I I never put it together that's who taught us the defense originally until like twenty years later. That's funny. You know, when he was at Western. But, you know, I I think in my opinion, okay, what we do fundamentally and how we teach our kids fundamental techniques. How do we key things? How do we how do we play blocks? How do we use our hands? How do we tackle? How do we how do we redirect? You know, how do we fit certain things? You know, those things have not changed. Right. You know, those things have not changed. You know, do we still play, you know, we still play our defensive line, we get off and we we strike the we strike the target if it shows and if the target disappears, we bend. You know, I, I hear people talk about squeeze and playing it with the near arm. Good luck. Okay, those are people that don't see trap. You know what I mean? Those are people that don't see trap. You know, those are people that have unbelievable athletes. When I play someone whose fullback comes comes roaring down the middle of the field, aiming at the left foot of their center, and they're trapping right, my three technique, and go squeeze. Yeah, I'm with you. He's going to bend and stop the direction of the ball. Can't do it. I'm with you. And, you know, I understand that. I, You know, I think sometimes that's voodoo economics on the defensive side. <laughs> or maybe you're at. I love just, that you use you know, that phrase. I said that not too long ago. <laughs> voodoo economics. But, Brilliant. I mean, it's, I, you know, I, you know, I, I know great defensive coaches that teach that, okay? But I ain't playing with those kids. You know what I mean? Right. I don't have that kid that can that can squeeze it like that, okay? You know, I got I got you know my main man Brett Burr or Blake Burr, who's you know six foot one, two hundred and five pounds, hard hard nosed high school football player, good athlete. You know, he runs a four nine four eight. You know, he doesn't run four 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 five. You know, he's not going to the combines. He's going to go to the University of Michigan and be a, you know, an aeronautical engineer. But he's going to be a hell of a five technique for me this year. That's great. You know, and, you know, I'm not going to have a better player. I'm not going to have a better kid because he's going to do it the way he's taught. Right. And, but those kids have to understand what they're taught to play fast. Mm -hmm. And that's always been our big thing is teach fundamentals, get our kids to run to the ball and make sure your fundamentals match or you shouldn't be playing them. Yeah. It's so funny just listening to you talk and I forget sometimes how much influence you've had on me. Like I just, I was in a meeting with our D lineman today and I said, listen, guys, D line play is all about this. If your target shows strike and get your hips in the gap, if your target disappears, bend inside. And I just heard you say that. And I went, yep, that's, I even forgot that that was where it came from. I taught the cheesesteak technique. I got to have on yawn again and just go through all the just rapid fire. Dude, that's all the Rex Ryan. That was all Rex Ryan stuff. Yeah. He, he lit me up in a clinic that, you know, sometimes you go to clinics and you can go to clinics for a long time and you gather nuggets. Sometimes you go into a room and guys change the way you teach a whole, whole thing. Right. It's mind boggling. Yeah. You know, when I watch Rex Ryan, 
when he was at the University of Cincinnati, talk about and about you know don't screw those defensive linemen up. And now we changed the terminology a little bit. You know, he had like slip through or whatever. But what it came down to was target show, strike target, hips and gap, cheat, stake it, and target disappear, bend. And is is there anything easier, better in football than that? No, it's great. I tell our kids that all the time. I did a youth clinic the other night. I told our guys, what, what, what else do you want your kids to do? Right. What else do you want your kids to I'm do? I'm going to put you on the spot. I need you to explain the cheese this cheesesteak technique to the listeners. It's great. Yeah, cheesesteak technique is, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a Rex Ryan term. And they talk about how, you know, as an offensive lineman, when you engage and you roll your hips, you want, you want to roll your hips. You want to. You want to engulf the defender as an offensive lineman. I always say like Java the Hutt on Princess Leah. You want to chain that bastard to your body and not get him off. On the defensive line, it's different. You want to have separation. So when you get off and strike, you want to keep. You want to strike and keep your hips back and get your hips into the gap. And the cheesesteak terminology is if you go out to Geno's and Pat's in Philadelphia and you go get a cheesesteak, those dudes in, in their business suits, they all eat and they stick their ass out so that the grease and the cheese hits the floor and not their dress clothes. And that's exactly how it is. You want to be engaged with the chest and you want to be engaged with the hands and you want your hip back. You want that grease to fall on the ground. And that's the cheesesteak technique. Going going back to the pressure patterns uh, for 10 personnel, when you're seeing yeah. that four open zone read, zone lock, you're a spread offense du jour. What, is, what are some of your favorite two under three deep uh, pressure patterns for okay. that? Okay, I'm going to tell you. The one thing that I have learned over the course of time is the double A, when, when people started to put the quarterback in the shotgun, the double A stunt got a new birth. I think any time people are in the shotgun and they're at 10 personnel and you're bringing double a or sometimes double B it's good. It's just flat. Good. Agreed. And, you know, and I think, you know, you know, I know our guys up in East Lansing have run that cross a stunt forever and it's been great for them. We're not very good for that. So we stay away from it, you know, but what we like to do is we like to bring the double a stunt and then we'll just cross it with the double B and, you know, it's, it's butt stupid, but you know what? It's direct. And, you know, all of a sudden you, you know, you're, you're, you're throwing different things at people and, you know, that center, he's got to stamp the ball. He's got to step play side gap. He's got a better athlete bringing the gap. You got your tackles, your tackles picking the outside of the B gap, opening up the A gaps for your kids to run through. That's good stuff. I like that one a lot. And, you know, I'm sure someone's out there saying, oh, well, you know, we'll just, We'll do this, this, and this. That's fine. You can. No, but what if we're playing a coverage? And what if we're in a man pressure? Right. You know, there's, you know, it's a, it's a third of the piece of the puzzle. You know, when we talk coverage with people, and you know, I talk this year a lot about what we're doing new and coverage, and I really like it. You know, I had somebody say to me, Pat, but what if someone runs that? And I said, Well, that's great, but if we're running Mike Blade, you know, th- you know, we're running Mike Blade three seam. I said, Your kid's getting smoked. And you don't know if I'm running or not. Yeah. And that's what I, you know, and I always tell that, you know, if you, you know, coach, you go around and talk to, you know, all over colleges and you know, all over the clinic season and, you know, people can Google your name and they can, they can, they, they know exactly what we're doing. I said, they don't know exactly what we're doing. You know, they, they know, 
they can read the 271 pages of the defensive playbook, but, you know, the question is, what are we running from that? Right. And it becomes you paralyzing. Know? I mean, if I had to play some of my best friends and coach against them, I don't know if I'd get anything done because I, I've seen everything that they could do. I think it becomes a hindrance. Yeah, I think what you want to do is just be who you are and do what your kids do best. I love that about you. You've always been who you are. And every time I talk to you, you got a new wrinkle, but you're, you're, you always stay true to yourself, kind of going back to what I was talking about before. But um, yeah, I found that this year with the tight front stuff and I'm going to take out my soapbox for a minute. I'm going to do the offensive coaches a favor. And I did talk about this not too long ago, but some of these plays that I've seen to beat the tight front make me laugh because you better hope the tight front being the four I zero four I stuff that everybody's doing now. Yeah. You better pray to God that they're in that front because if they're not, if they move or stem or they loop a guy and slant a guy and blitz a guy, you're to TFL. I saw one guy create a PowerPoint with some plays and I, me and a fellow coach were laughing. We were going to pass it out and help spread it because we're like, we want you, we want you to do this stuff because it's, it's, Nobody in their right mind is going to sit in that, just sit in that defense. And so you're drawing up all these plays if it's it's static, but nobody's going to do that. Nobody's just going to sit there. Did you see that article on Football Scoop? And it was on the. Which one? It was the offensive court. It was the head coach at Oklahoma. I forget what the number was, but I think it was like 85% right is what they're looking for in an offensive play call, meaning that if they call a play, it should be good against 85% of the defensive package or it shouldn't be called. Oh yeah. I did see that. You know, I'm not sure what the number was. Yeah. It was Lincoln Riley. Yeah. 85%. Yeah. I think he's really, I think he's really smart. Yes. You know, I think he's really smart and I think he's, I think he does things. I think he does things other people have been doing, but he does them with really good players. And what he does, I think, better than anybody else that I've seen is he gets his best kid in space against your least kid in space better than other people. Yeah, very good at matchups. And very NFL-esque. Yeah, I think so. I think more so than most. But I don't know. I could be wrong. I haven't seen him play much. But it always seems to me that they they have the matchup in a, in a route or they have a matchup with, that, with their quarterback on a defender of the run you know, better than most people. And I'm not saying other people aren't good. Yeah. I think he's, I think that's a great philosophy. If you got a scheme that's good against one thing, beautiful. Okay. Yeah. You know, you beautiful, run it. And, you know. Well, what's beautiful. funny about Lincoln <laughs> Riley is, you know, they played Bama this year and Bama was doubling their best guy and they were still getting him open on the plays. They were doubling him. I was like, yeah. How? It was crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I thought he's, I think he's good. Yeah, he is very, he is very, very good. Very, very talented. And he's, he's made a lot of, and he, and he has great players, but there's a lot of school with great players that don't maximize them. Like he does. I think he, I think I, I don't think his, and this could be my opinion and it could be really wrong. I think he has great players. But I don't think he has that elite kid they have at Clemson and Alabama, you know, in Georgia. No, a quarter I, besides quarterback, I completely agree correct. with you. I I think that you know Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, they have that that 
those deep defensive linemen that they rotate mm-hmm. that other and to me that's the difference in those three schools and everybody else they just yep. have that depth of defensive line that allows them to play defense different than other people right well you mean you I was at Bama last year, and it's funny. I, I told the story to my kids. To your point, Quinnen Williams was not a starter in spring of 2018 at the beginning of spring. He was not a starter, right. and he ended up being the number three or number four draft pick in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I want to talk to you about your linebacker reads real quick. Uh, I still use them yeah. to this day. Guard, tackle, bubble, and near back. Uh, just if you wouldn't mind telling the listener the basic overall reads and tell us if you how if – if they have evolved, and if not, for the advent of the spread and more of that stuff that you're seeing. Yeah. We learned the, the keys back in 1990 from Western Michigan, and I think it was Coach Bumpus, I'm not sure. Okay, And they were reading the cross pull of the guard to the near back. And what that meant is a guard, a guard pulls behind a center, and when he pulls behind the center, it's trap bootleg or counter which basically means that the near back is going to lie to their, the direction he's going to is not with the direction of where the ball is going. Right. And, and what we do is if you get a cross pull read, you run the crease and the crease is defined on the hip of the, of the center when he turns back. And so if, if you have the bubble to you and you're running the crease towards you're running the crease like, oh, because, you know, the bubble moves all the time. You're running the crease, and you're, you know, the, the guard's coming down on you, and it's trap. You're going to fit that off the hip of the center. And if it's trapped, there's going to be a hell of a collision with the guard if he's well coached. If he comes high, you're going to walk through and make the play. You know, it's a really good thing. If he comes low, you're going to strike him. When I mean low is on his angle and you're going to strike them and your tackle's going to bend and the hole's jammed and it's going to bounce to your five technique and your backer. When you, when you see the cross pull, you run pull, pull, you, 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 you scream out pull, 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 and then your, your, your partner who's getting a false key is just immediately pops, takes one step of width, protects himself behind the end, and then plays back to the ball as it declares. If you are playing with the... If you're playing with the B and the C gap nest to you and you get the guard tackle pull, um, your backer is going to run the crease. And we talked about this earlier. If you're running counter, if you're running counter and that center turns all the way back to the three technique and the guard blocks down on the, the two eye or the shade, however you want to run them, and that backer reads it and runs the crease, he's hitting the tail back of the backfield. There's no one there to block him. Conversely, if someone's running pin and pull and they're running it to the tight end edge or they're running buck sweep from the gun, okay, they have nobody. You know, you know, when, you're, when, you, when you run those schemes, you don't have anybody on the cross pull. So if someone's running pin and pull and they pull the backside guard, okay, and they pull the you know, and they pull the front side, you know, the tackle, the guard, whoever they want to pull, who's blocking the mic? Nobody. If you're running buck sweep from the gun, when you run buck sweep, all right, your, your center blocks front side. He blocks the front side A, and the fullback blocks the backside A. But if you're running it from the gun, you don't have a backside A player. So what you do is you take your, 
you know, you take your center and you turn them back so your backside guard can pull, and once again, the mic runs the crease. Um, it's a tremendous, it's a tremendous deal. Now, if there's no pull, and you have the bubble too, you're a 31, you're a 31 player, which means if the ball's inside of you, you play the A gap, and if the ball's outside of you, play the inside of the B gap. First digit three being three technique, second digit meaning one, and if you have the, the being the C gap nest to you, you're a 91 player, which means if the ball's outside of you, you play the first digit, your heels are on the line and nine technique, and if the ball's inside of you, you play the second technique, and you're the one technique inside. You know, a lot of people teach it a, a lot of different ways. That's the way I learned the the technique, and we we did that until like 2004 when people started running the dart play. And, you know, in the, in the old days, before we committed to the 425, um, what would happen is if you came out with, you came out with 21 personnel, we played G defense. And if you came out in, you came out in 10 personnel, we came out in a 30 dime look. And you were going to run inside zone. We played our tackles in four eyes. We played with the nose and we played with the two overhang kids there. And what we did is we started reading the pull of the outside foot of the t- ins- the the outside foot of the guard inside foot of the tackle for the cross pull. So then when people started running dart, we were just knocking the living shit out of it, and it was really good for two three years. And then people started using tight ends, and we had to get back into the G front. The keys are still good, you know. The keys are tremendous, right? But you know, it was you know the run fits are really good. And I, you know, I always laugh because every now and then someone will, you know, try to dick us and they'll cross pull and get my backer out of there and like run a quick screen away from it. And I'm like, yeah, but your guard's gone too. Yeah. You lose a lot. I I was just talking about this with a kid, with one of our kids today, we were talking about a team that they were arcing on the perimeter, faking inside runs and handing sweeps and doing some of that stuff. I'm like, guys are losing blockers. Like, cause they were kind of freaking out. Like, what do I do? And it's like, well, play your technique. Yeah, play your technique. Read if the guard, that's all. This, I the jet guy's running jet, technique. but the your key in front of you is blocking zone to you. Uh, please play the zone. Thank you. Yeah, one of the one of the one of the hardest things that we had to decide in the early two thousands. We used to always play old Chuck Apap, who was at Wall Lake Central. He went out west and was in, in Arizona for. I a while. remember Chuck Apap stories. He ran the wing tee and he held him like eight points or something like that. Yeah, well, so you know, he, yeah, we, we held him to nine points. He beat us nine to seven, and you know, <laughs> um, well, he came out one year and he's running, he's running jet sweep, and he's pulling that front side guard. And he's trapping with the backside guy on the two eye. Oh, and he's running bucks. He's running jet sweep. And then all of a sudden, you know, he gives the ball to the fullback. Well, they don't have anybody blocked on the backside backer. But dude, it's like voodoo. That guy ran the hell out of there. And you know, that guy's running down the field untouched. And so we decided, you know what? You guys gonna play trap up the middle, and you guys are gonna play jet sweep. Yeah. And it was, you know, and we we had to learn to play defense fundamentally. Right. It's like triple option. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Chuck, if you're, you're listening to me tonight, I miss you. Shoot me out a text message. Um, so, <laughs> well, we played. We uh, I remember we were studying De La Salle's defense, and uh, they were playing. I, the school remained nameless, but the school was in the eye. And the the thing about De La Salle is now you'd have to have 80 new plays to try to even have a chance against them, but like to get them like this. But this team, I I I, I kid you not, Pat. 
ran ISO, but pulled the guards out both both outside. And so the first time the right guard pulled out to the right, the left guard pulled out to the left. They ran ISO. Both backers vacated. They got eight yards. The next time they happened, I, I don't know how they taught their kids, but to see both. And, you know, I think I think they got him a second time later on. And then the third time it was they almost put the kid in the hospital. Uh, and so that stuff doesn't last for very long. No, we had a team one year ran buck sweep and pulled the guards away. Oh, and God. they um, they got like, shit, you know, when they got like six, seven, eight yards. I don't know how, but they did. And so the next time they ran it, we had a stunt on it. We had like a double A. And... Dude, it was like a collision in the backfield. That was the last time we saw that. Uh, 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 I, told, I told our guys today, I was talking about like, you know, offenses scheme up, uh, you know, readers or readers and screamers or whatever the terminology. And so we were talking about playing different. Um, we we're talking about jet sweep to nub and some different things and how an offense will affect you. But if you do this, it'll be fine. And, how you know, and so I literally just had this discussion with my team three hours ago. So, yeah, it's, it's fresh on the mind. So let me let me ask you one more question. I know I know we've been going for a while, but I can't let a legendary coach from Michigan off this podcast. And I've been getting this question a lot and and I've been talking about RPOs and all the new fancy stuff. But I can't let a Michigan guy on here off the pod without asking about big personnel. You're known. I I still use the shell of your wing T plan. I've modified it a little bit over the years, but yeah, I still use a lot of that stuff. Dead T. You know, t- uh, double tight with a wing. Yeah. Uh, kind of go through your generic philosophy for the listeners because I get this question a okay. lot, and I've been saying it's coming. I think the when we play a T formation team, <clears throat> you got to decide. You know, you got to first identify what they're going to do. Are they trying to be a power team, or are they trying to play the shell game? The shell game is in what? As in what, coach? Well, they, you know, they they hide the ball. Oh, uh, got it. You know, they. They literally <clears throat> grab their elbows and try to disguise, and you know they all wear arm pads that look like footballs, and you know, and we've seen that numerous times. And here's what I know about that: when we play those people, okay, when we're good fundamentally and we have really disciplined kids, we play those people really well. And when we have kids that are a little loose, they they hurt us because they they don't play assignment you have to play assignment based when you play the power teams you 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 just got to be a little bit more stout but we align the same way what we do is we we take our you know we play with two seven techniques we play our spurs up at the line of scrimmage we play read support with our two corners and if our free safety is a good tackler we leave him in if he's not a good tackler we bring in an extra linebacker we put both our backers in C splits and we put the extra line backer at six and a half over the ball. Everybody reads cross pull the guard tackle bubble to the near back. And that's how we we play it no matter who we play. The one thing there's a couple things we really like to do out of it. Um we like to um a couple things is we, we will we will bring a like a plug and spark the gap away. And when we do that, the free safety or the extra backer replaces the plugger. And the other thing we like to do is if we can take the one of the linebackers and put them down, we'll cover the center and we'll get in a double eagle technique and we'll run the old Buddy Ryan double shoot and we'll spark, we'll jerk the center, don't let them go left or right. 
it will spark the outside of the B gaps, and then we'll bring the two backers through the A. And if they're pulling, you know, you can create it some hell of a, you know. But your kids got to bring it, and they got to believe in it. And when we played it, we played a really good team two years ago on it, and our kids were all about it. And they shoved that thing all night. And this year, our kids were not as good with it. We gave up 28 because we didn't play disciplined. And we kind of knew that was going to happen just because of the nature of the kids we had. Now, our group this year, we think they're we think they're the most fundamental group we've had. So, you know, though we, we don't want to play that because it's just boring as shit, you know, we, <laughs> we, don't, we don't mind playing that. You know, we'll play a team in week two that'll line up and try to power us off tackle and you know, we, we handled that real well last year. You know, we were just young. We had a bunch of underclassmen, and, you know, so that, that you know, and they played that really well. So, in my opinion, I think that that's really, that's really good. You know what I mean? And I think that's how we've played it. You know, we've played the wing tee differently, you know, but how we've played it has been really good. I would tell you the biggest thing about the, the full house tee stuff, in my opinion, is it's the hide the hoagie guys that are that are hard to defend because your kids your kids got to be so locked down with their keys and you know all of a sudden the fullbacks grabbing his arms and you go up to whack them and you know all of a sudden everybody's grabbing their arms and you like call the fullback and you run six yards down the field to me that doesn't to me that's not football you know I'm not going to tell an athlete to grab his arms and when he gets hit, stop and then start running again but people win with it. So who am I to judge? Yeah, it's been successful for a lot of people. We've seen variations, but it's funny because people will ask me because we've played a lot of big stuff out here. Yeah. And they'll say, well, what would you do? And and I so I always ask, you know, formations only as good as what you do out of it. So go through it with me. And it's way different. The stuff I saw was way different. In fact, there was a guy I infiltrated. Uh, I'm probably giving myself up here. They probably don't care, but. I infiltrated like a three back um, offensive coaches like Yahoo group or something years ago. And I got as much Intel as I could. And I opened those playbooks and I had to close them because I got scared. So, so, I mean, we just don't see that stuff here. And I'm seeing hide the fake, the dive, double dive, cross buck and all this stuff. And I'm going, "Uh, I don't want to deal with this. I mean, that was so before the turf fields came to Michigan. Okay. It was the most, everything was ground-based. Right. Because what would happen by the, you know, we were a wing T triple option school because by the, by, by week six, you didn't have any grass on your field anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, you couldn't throw it because, you know, you get a muddy football, it was pretty bad. You know, and all of a sudden everybody's got turf fields. I was going to ask you about that because when we, I used to say that about 10 years ago about no, nobody throws the ball here in Michigan or very few people do. Yeah. And then recently you've started doing it and some other people have. And I was wondering oh, dude, if it was climate change right or what was it because turf the, the turf field, I didn't even think about it's that. Turf fields. Because here's what happened. Everybody played their youth league soccer games and everything else on their game fields. And by the time, by the time the third or fourth week came by, no one had any grass. That makes sense. And and you know it's not the it's not the rain that's hard to throw the ball in, but if you can't if you can't get your cleats in the mud to cut, and you can't get your quarterback's foot in the ground to plant, and you're throwing a football with mud in the in the dimples, it's hard to play. 
Right. You know, and I mean, I can remember games, you know, right until like 2001 where, you know, we're playing people and, you know, I would say we probably saw the old, the old tackle and slide 30 yards with a kid out of bounds, <laughs> you know, four or five times a year. I haven't seen it since. That's funny. Yeah. You know, the turf fields have changed football in, in the poor climate areas. Right. You know, it's, it's just, you just you can do whatever you want. Awesome. And that's why people are throwing the ball more now. And I think you, you look at it and you know, it's, um, it's the footing. The mud. Interesting. I, I didn't think about that. I thought more of the the water and because obviously I don't know the Michigan climate, but that's what I was thinking. Oh shit! It rains all the time. Yeah. It rains. It snows. It's cloudy. You know, it's <laughs> we get all the clouds coming over the Great Lakes, and we get all the all the rain and shit. It, we get more precipitation, I think, than the, than Seattle. Just you know, half of it's snow and half of it's rain. You know, but a total amount of water and grayness man we get what they get interesting interesting and you, get, you get nice turf field don't make a difference you know i remember people used to sell that dry ball shit it turned your football into like a like a like a shot put it kept it dry but it was like 100 pounds that's no way to throw the football <laughs> yeah. so awesome you know. we're gonna wind this down right now but before we get to the question coach give us your twitter handle oh i'm gonna look it up here man please follow me um, I have two Twitter, Twitter accounts. Uh-huh. Okay. And one is my defensive account. Um, let me look it up. And if you want to follow me on that, okay. And I don't know if you can join the other like 690 people, not a ton. Um, it is at PEFG defense. At PEFG defense and guys, yeah, follow Coach Fox. I'm sure the hour, whatever we're on now, you can tell that he is a he is a great guy to talk to and fun, and he will follow you back and he will help you. I'm telling you, this man has had as much influence as anybody in this game, especially defending big personnel stuff, wing tees, and I can't tell you how much of a positive impact you've had on me, Coach. Thank you. Um, you you've I mean, like I said, I say stuff that I've been saying it for so long and so often that I forget, like, it's not that I think that I came up with it, but it's just infiltrated my lexicon. Forgot where it came from. Yeah, you forget where you forget. I know it's not mine, but I just assume that, like, I I have to stop and think about, like, how many things that we've done and that based off of things that you've said. And again, another guy that's really one of the good guys in this game that will spend the time with you that will hang out and talk ball. And man, uh, I, I was a, I was a, a rock star when you came and hung out with us at that clinic, everybody was like, well, you guys are friends. I'm like, yeah, well, I've been stalking him for 10 years. So I think he's just afraid to not be my friend. Cause I'll show up in the bushes. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I gotta say, you know, I got, I got taught football by the best guys. And you know, my high school coach is a gentleman by the name of Ralph Munger, who's been the he's been the head coach over at Rockford and has won tons of state championships. And he has been the greatest influence of my life. Um, he, um, you know, he's the reason I'm not. You know, he's the reason I I went to college. He's the and he taught me there's an integrity to the game. And you know, he has the greatest integrity of any person I know. You know, he's my daughter's godfather. He's as good as they come. 
And I worked for a guy named Jimmy Urich, who was the head coach at Saginaw Arthur Hill, won, won a state championship there. And Jimmy was a hard worker and taught toughness and detail and organization. And, you know, I worked for a gentleman by the name of Herb Cranky at Northern Michigan. And Herb was a, all he wanted to do was coach football. You know, he's a head coach, and we went to the round of four, and, you know, Herb had no ego. And, you know, on his staff, they had a, you know, Coach Nystrom was, was on his staff. He was just coming back from Michigan State. And, you know, I, I learned so much about football. And, you know, I his best friend was Henry Bulla, and Henry, Henry was just collecting his paycheck from the bills that year. And Henry would come up to Northern and, you know, I got to drive him around and talk football. And, you know, I had Buck and I had Nick Saban in the football, in the football class. And they were always good to me. And they were always, they were always good to me. And, you know, when I, when I got my, when I got my first head coaching job, I was 23 and I didn't know what I was doing. And I, I, I had great mentors, you know, there, you know, I had obviously the guys I had worked for, but a, a gentleman named Jim McDougal reached out to me and you know, taught me not only how to coach football and just be a gentleman and compete and do the right things. And Mac was a tremendous influence. And, you know, I, I go down the road and, you know, all of a sudden somehow I got adopted by Bruce Cobley and, you know, my mid thirties, all of a sudden I'm Bruce's guy and, you know, just unbelievable. And, and everybody gave so much to me. You know, so when people want to talk football, you know, it's just how I was raised. You know, there's a, there is a, I can't remember his name right now. They're going to kill me back at, at Notre Dame. Um, but uh, there's a, there's a gentleman, you know, they used to, I'll think of this, but if we go, I go to football clubs, I'd have money to sleep, you know, in a hotel room. And, you know, some of the old guys who had big staffs and there were big schools, they'd get extra rooms so I'd have a place to crash. And, you know, that's the, that was the fellowship that was in the game before everybody decided you, you, instead of winning by developing your kids, you won by stealing somebody else's athletes. That was the fellowship we had back in the day. And, you know, I hope it comes back to that. I'm a little sickened the way it's being done right now with the, with the free agency of high school athletes and the, you know, it, it bothers me. Because, you know, I could go to a place like Berkeley High School where no one had won for, you know, 30 years, and I could grind and my kids would stay and, you know, we'd have to chase them away from the, you know, from the country days and the brother races of the world, but we kept the right ones and, you know, all of a sudden we're as good as anybody after six years. And the same thing happened out at Milford. And you could go to a place like that and you could you could be a top five ranked team in the biggest classifications by working hard and doing the little things and developing your program. And now it's all about who can steal who's athletes. And it's not so much, you know, guys who want to grind and scheme, they don't seem like the guys who want to broker kids. So, you know, I know who I want to hang out with, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'll talk ball with well, anybody. You had Nick Saban and I had Pat Fox. So, Coach, thank you again. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you what. Coach Saban was awesome to me when I was a kid. You know, I know some people all think he's grumpy. You know, he's just driven. And, you know, I those, you know, when when he was a young coach, he, I can remember him and, 
him and uh, you know I wouldn't leave. I had the football class, and he'd come in and teach it two, three times, and I would never let him leave. And you know they had they had that other guy on that staff at that. Then there was too bad of a defense coordinator, Norm Parker, who uh, you know I wouldn't let leave either. And they were always awesome. great to me. And, you know they were great to me because I wanted to learn. And I think you know you know. I got good guys with me, and I, I think, you know, our guys do a great job of coaching but mentoring kids. And I'd like to think that, you know, we can pass stuff down. Because I'm, you know, my, my kayaking time is going to start to increase here pretty soon. Well, you better you better <laughs> save me a spot in that boat, Coach. So let's get into the championship question yep. so, I can, so you can get to your workout in the morning. Give it to me. Okay, so here's the scenario. You tell yeah. me what you're going to do. So here, here we go. Okay. State championship is on the line. Okay, it is fourth and nine from okay. from the thirty five yard line going in. Okay, you're up by two, okay. but they have a great field goal kicker. Okay. So they're probably just going to try and get the first down at the sticks. You both have a timeout, so they can throw the ball wherever they want. They don't have to throw an out or to conserve time. They can get the first, call the timeout, get their unit on the field, kick the field goal, and win. It's going to be ten personnel, two by two or three by one. All things being equal in terms of personnel, what's your call? The first thing you got to decide is how you think he's going to play it. If he's going to play it to score, okay, I'm running goosebumps. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go a goosebumps, and he's going to get the ball out fast. If he holds the ball, we're going to knock him back, and we're going to get a chance. On the other hand, okay, if he's just, if he's just playing to put the ball in the middle of the get the ball to put the in the middle of the field so he can kick it. I'm gonna go with a backer blade three seam, which is a zone pressure. And, you know, I just I just feel that in that situation you gotta have an idea of what they want to do. Cause I think the biggest right. the biggest thing, you know, if their kicker's good, they're gonna go for the field goal, you know, then they're gonna run the ball. Yeah. You know, I'll put a run stopper up. If I think they don't like their kicker right. and they, you know, they, you know, they want to, they want to, they want to get the first down, I'm going to run goosebumps and I'm going to bring the pressure right. and I'm going to come hit their kid, you know, and he, yeah, it's fourth and nine. Yeah. And so it's fourth and nine and they're going to try and go for the sticks. We think they're trying to go for the sticks because they got Adam Vinatieri reincarnated yeah. playing kicker. Yeah. I think so. we'd, I think we'd probably be in goosebumps. You know, I like my, I like my kids right now in the secondary. You know, if I have a if I have a if I have a, a kid who can't tackle, I'm not running that coverage. You know, I can't. Gotcha. I can't line right. up and have a kid. He had them throw a hitch and have my kid hit him like a lumberjack and fall to the ground. That can't happen. You know, the other thing that you know, I'll give you a little a little deal that you know we play so much 51, 52. We play so much split coverage. You know, another. Uh, I, you know, if you have a you got a couple you got a couple things you could throw at people, you know, every now and then you need a wrinkle, you know what I mean? So we could come right. out and play mini, which we don't play against two by two very much. We could come out and play mm-hmm. mini and play coverage and line up and man the field kid and then play 10 over two. We could do that. Or we could pull a tackle. You know, we haven't done this in a while, but it was always kind of our, our, our fun thing to do against 10 personnel we'd pull a tackle and we'd line up at a 30 front and put our ends head up 
and we would man the widest field guy, and then we'd rob to the boundary, and then we'd play cover five, old school robber cover five over ten. Nice. Yeah. I like it. We've and done that just, before. It's just a it's just a wrinkle, you know. It's just a wrinkle, and you got to be able to you, you got to be comfortable doing it, but you know all of a sudden. Your quarterback might make a mistake in some match coverage, especially if he's not, he doesn't think he's going to get it over there, you know? So that's my answer. Awesome. Coach, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Best of luck this season, and let's get together in 2020. All right, man. Here's the deal. I'm going to be in Dallas. I'm going to be in Atlanta. I'm going to be in Pittsburgh, and I'm going to be in one other place this year um, for Glacier Clinics. But I know I'm in Atlanta, I know I'm in Dallas, and I know I'm in Pittsburgh, and I can't quite remember where the other places I'm going to be. Um, I don't think it's West Coast, though. But, you know, come see me, come visit me, whoever is out there, we'd love to see him. He's worth going, he's worth the trip. Go go for it, guys. All right, Coach, take good care and have a good practice. You know, I'm sorry to hear what happened to your community. That's, that's horrific. You know, your, your people were in our prayers on our prayer list at school. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. You bet. I will. We certainly appreciate that, Coach. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Make Defense Great Again. If you like the podcast, you can rate and review us on the app of your choice. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Coach Vass and the podcast account at Pod. Also, be sure to visit the website, www.coachfast.com, to see links to our pop-up clinics, guests, blog posts, links to articles, and forms to fill out if you're interested in having me consult your football team in the offseason. Also, there's a way to sign up for our mailing list so we can keep you informed on important news and announcements. And when the in-season Q&A podcast begin, you'll be able to go to the website and submit questions for any game planning needs you have that week or any other topics you're interested in. This podcast exists because of listener support. If you like what you've heard and you feel it's worth donating, you can do so by going to www.coachvast.com slash donate to see the links for PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App, or you can Venmo me directly at Coach Vass or Cash App me at dollar sign Coach Vass. The funds are now being reinvested back into the site and the podcast to continually improve the products. And lastly, Never forget, the quarterback can't see with tears in his eyes.